0: Okay. You guys look good this morning. Happy Easter to you. Looking looking got pastel colors on. Looking nice, Carrie. How do I look? Good. Thanks. Thank you. It means a lot. So, kind of put her on the spot there. Welcome to Crosspoint. If you're new with us, my name is Ryan and I am the lead pastor here and just glad to have you on this Easter Sunday. So uh, we are beginning a brand new series entitled I Am. And this series is covering the I Am statements that you find in the Gospel of John. Seven times Jesus says, I am, followed by something else. So he says, I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and the life, or I am the light of the world. And today our I am statement is, I am the resurrection and the life. Now it's interesting, when you want to be known, or you want someone to get an idea of who you are, when you introduce yourself, you'll typically say, hi, I'm Ryan, followed by... You know, whatever you want to be known by. So hi, I'm Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Crosspoint Downtown. That's this situation. When I go into school and I meet my kids' teachers, I say, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Lily's dad. I do a little name drop in there. Lily's pretty popular around the place. So hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Lily's dad. Or when Carrie and I were dating, we would uh, uh, had two different groups of friends, and those friends were kind of starting to combine and we are getting to know each other. I would say hi, i'm Ryan, and I'm Carrie's boyfriend. People would look at her and then they'd look at me and they'd look at her, look at me, like really. Um, but we want to be known by the we want to be known in a certain way, and so we'll introduce ourselves in a certain way. the The interesting thing about this transported two thousand years ago from 2,000 years ago, is that Jesus wanted to be known a certain way. But the world actually doesn't know him the way he wanted to be known. So culturally, there's a lot of popular ideas about who Jesus was. And one of the most predominant ideas is that Jesus was a good teacher. But it's interesting, because nowhere in the Bible do you see Jesus say, I am a good teacher. In fact, he's got qualms with somebody who Says, who says that I'm good. But Jesus wanted to be known by who he described himself as the Son of God. In fact, the Bible gives us no room to do otherwise. If I came to you and I introduced myself to you and I said, Hi, I'm Ryan. I am the resurrection and the life. Could you imagine that? I mean, like lock me up in a loony bin, Right. That's the same way you should treat Jesus. Either he is who he says he is, or, as C.S. Lewis is, you could put him on the level of a poached egg. He's crazy. Jesus was not simply a good moral teacher espousing a code of conduct that we should follow. He wasn't just a good example that we should look at in order to emulate. He wasn't a social justice warrior that we should celebrate and we should do good things because he did good things. In fact, Jesus does not espouse those things. Now, those things are true about Jesus, but those things aren't primarily true about Jesus. What's primarily true about Jesus And the way he wanted us to know him is that he is, in fact, the Son of God. And these seven I am statements that we're going to unpack over the next seven weeks are going to show us that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God from his words so that we might believe. So that we might believe. And that's the question that I pose to you today. It's a real simple application for the sermon. Do you believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ? That he is the God-man, that he is Christ incarnate, that he is God with flesh on, that lived a perfect sinless life, and he died a sinner's death, and he rose again to claim victory over death on our behalf so that we might be right with God. That's the question. Do you believe that? And we're going to use this I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life to unpack it. You can imagine if social media was taking place, if if it was in existence 2,000 years ago, that this event would have got a lot of play on social media. It would have been a trending topic. Jesus raises somebody from the dead. How amazing is that? The greatest miracle. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It's a spectacle. I was thinking about this just yesterday. I had never heard of it, but my wife told me it was pretty popular. There's a giraffe named April. Anybody heard of the giraffe named April? So the giraffe named April was was supposed to have a baby, a calf, in February. But the calf didn't come in February. And so, everybody's wondering, like, is this an April Fool's joke? I mean, like, two months later, and the calf isn't born, and everybody's following it. And so, it's this podunk town in New York, and it's this small, little amusement, animal amusement park, but there's April, and it's Saturday, April 15th, and... April is giving birth to her baby boy, and it's got 1.2 million viewers on live stream. It was a spectacle, right? Forget about nuclear war about ready to happen. April, the giraffe, is getting ready to have a baby. I'm actually intrigued by it. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody because life is a really an amazing thing. It was, a, it was a spectacle of life on display. Like, all life is a miracle, especially human life, but even the life of a giraffe. I mean, how could the neck be so long? It's crazy. And you see that life is a miracle, and we want to watch it, and we want to see it at work, and we want to follow the story of this baby giraffe. By the way, you could vote on the giraffe's name. I don't know if you knew that. Four dollar, And you have to vote at least five times. And the popular names were Twist, Oliver Jr., because Oliver Senior's already taken, and that's the giraffe's dad, uh, or Donald, or Trump. Uh, so if you want to vote for the giraffe today, you could do so. But this spectacle captures our attention, and it's a spectacle of life on display. But we don't think that death would be a very good spectacle. Nobody wants to watch someone die. But that's what was going on with Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus was dying. It's not something that we want to think about. It's not something that we want to watch. I mean, we want to think about life, not death. But death is the great inevitability. And Jesus did this miracle to make a spectacle of death and to put it to open shame pretty amazing what Christ did. You can imagine Mary and Martha. You don't have to transport your life back 2,000 years ago to imagine what they must have gone through. If you've ever seen someone dying, it's not a pretty thing. And in Lazarus's case, it was likely an illness that hit on him pretty suddenly. And so he's convulsing. He's struggling to breathe. He's hemorrhaging. It's sad to watch a loved one go through that. Surely Jesus can do something about this. Surely Jesus, who loves Lazarus, will come to our aid and bring healing to him. So Mary and Martha, who were friends with Jesus, they had him in their home. He ate meals with them. You know the story of Mary and Martha... If you don't, it's real simple. Jesus was in the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha was busy cooking. And her sister Mary was having company with Jesus at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's thinking, how come Mary's not helping me? She needs to get up and do something to help me out here. And she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell Mary to get her butt up and to bring out the dinner rolls. But Jesus says... No, no, Martha. Mary is doing the better thing right now. Because Mary was concerned with not the meal, but the company. The person. And this is what I think that we should be concerned with here today. Not the miracle, but the person behind the miracle. The miracle's amazing, but the person behind the miracle's more amazing. And so they give word to Jesus... That the one whom he loves is sick. I got three points for today's sermon, and I'm going to give you the first one now. What will we do, what do you do, when Jesus says to wait? Now, I can imagine that wait wasn't something that Mary and Martha wanted to hear. Their brother was dying. In fact, They didn't even get word back from Jesus to wait. He stayed two more days where he was at. He stayed two more days, two precious days, when someone's life is on support. And he was the one who had the power to do it. Surely, the one whom they know that has the power to do it, surely he'll hear them and he'll come to their aid immediately. But Jesus... Stays two more days. And he does it for a reason and a purpose. If you look with me at verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness does not lead to death. Now, we all know that Lazarus did die. So did Jesus mean that it does not lead to death? He's meaning that death doesn't have the final say. And he says, But this is being done for the glory of God so that God the Son might be glorified through it. When you're in those times and you hear the words, wait, from God, or you don't get word from God, we wonder, God, what are you doing in these moments? God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know that so-and-so is dying right now? Do you know that right now I don't have a paycheck coming in because I lost my job and the severance package is done and I can't do it? What about those times when your kid's are walking wayward and you know that it's another night and it's another night that they're going to do something that you do not agree with and that you do not want to be a part of their life but they walk in that way and you plead God God I dedicated him or her to you change their heart but God says wait wait you know, there's two things that I think is important to know when we're called to wait. For those who are called according to God's purposes, says Romans eight twenty eight. we know that God loves you. God loves you. If you read the passage, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. If you know you're loved by God, you know that all things will work out in accordance with the purposes of God. And that the purposes of God are what ultimately matters in those moments. It's not what you want, it's what He wants. And so, you can know that when you are loved by God, and that you love God, that everything, no detail escapes Him. No difficulty can withstand him. There is nothing that he hasn't thought about. He knows the way it's all going to go, and in the midst of it, he holds so tightly this love that he has for you. He's not going to harm you. He's going to love you, and he's going to see you through whatever difficulty it might be. You know, God loves you. And when you wait, do you know that God is sovereign that he's all knowing that everything has a place in his economy and all things work in accordance of his will and all things will work to where at the end of the day God would be glorified and God the Son would be glorified through it that Jesus Christ would be made known and so God here is letting the sickness remain that leads to death in order that God might get glory over it and that Jesus Christ might be made known. If you continue on in the passage, you see that there's another thing at work here. Jesus had spoken. It says, our friend Lazarus... I'm sorry, if you go to verse 11... After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. So the disciples didn't really even know what Jesus was talking about when he said that, that, that Lazarus would, would not lead to death, the sickness would not lead to death. But he speaks of it as falling asleep. And so if he's going to sleep, if he's sick and he's sleeping, then eventually he's going to recover. But Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you might believe. But let us go to him. Now Jesus, after two days, decides to go back to Judea. After Lazarus has died, after there's nothing that could be done, he decides to go back to Judea. And he does this so that the disciples might believe. He wanted to put this picture on display of the glory of God so that we might believe. Remember I said early on that the big idea of today is that we might believe? In fact, the whole Gospel of John, if you fast forward to the very end of it, he says, I write these things so that you might believe in the Son of God. And Jesus wants Mary and Martha and the disciples and all the witnesses there to believe that he is the Son of God of God and we get another picture of Jesus when Jesus says to wait but also when Jesus says to believe he says it so clearly in the passage that we read earlier now Jesus came and he found Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them Concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, so Martha goes to meet Jesus. She leaves the house where mourning's taken place. She knows that Jesus is coming. She meets Jesus and she says to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, Lord, if you would have heard my prayer, Lord, if you would have heard my cry, this wouldn't have happened. Anybody got those prayers? Anybody have those things where you say, God, if you just would have done things this way, this way, and that way, this wouldn't have happened. And she goes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if, this, if you would have been there, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know. That he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's a really interesting dialogue that you see taking place. You see, Martha has an idea of who Jesus is. But she doesn't really know who she's talking to before him. Jesus tells her plainly, your brother will rise again. And then she pulls kind of this theological statement that she knows out of her back pocket and she says yep you're right on the last day he's going to rise again you know these religious platitudes that we use god is good you know we put a smile on our face when all hell's breaking loose and we say god is good when really we're just wasting away and we say the church stuff when really everything's a mess inside have you ever been there you, you kind of got to put the best face on and pretend and really inside of you. It, it's just everything is struggling to hold it together. And you say God is good, but you don't believe God is good. Well, Martha's there and she knows she's, she is mourning her brother on his death. And Jesus says he's going to rise again. Sure, of course. Yeah, one day he's going to rise again. One day he's going to r- raise up again. And there's this religiosity that comes forward from Martha that you see here. We've all got that religiosity. In fact, oftentimes Easter Sunday leads us to be the most religious people in the world when actually every other day of the year we could be the most irreligious. And we are all here in somewhat of a religious platitude here today. Don't believe in a theological statement. Don't believe in those things that don't matter. What Jesus is doing is he's taking it from the abstract, something that she doesn't really know, she can't really grasp, and he wants to make it real to her. He says, no, no, your brother will rise again. Look with me as Jesus says it. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. That's our I am statement. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And so Jesus is saying something, I think, very powerful to Martha here. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection in the life? There used to be these old Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials, and you'd see the, the, um, uh, Mr. KFC himself, who, if you identified with K, Mr. KFC, I mean, he, uh, what was his name, Colonel Sanders, right? Colonel Sanders was Kentucky Fried Chicken, If you saw a commercial and Colonel Sanders says, I am Kentucky Fried Chicken you'd be like, that's Kentucky Fried Chicken right there. No, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If you want to get an idea of this miracle that was about to take place, if you want to get an idea of eternity, eternity is not a thing. Eternity is a person. Life is not a thing. Life is a person. Being born again is not a thing. It is a person, and it's all in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection, and he is the life, and if you put your hope in them, you will never die. Believe in me, Jesus says. And Martha's heart melts. Yes, Lord, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And I believe. Do you believe every day? Now, here's my challenge with belief in my life. I think belief in Jesus is in the past because 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross for me. So he did something for me and it was really, really good. I, like, I get eternal life from that. My sins are forgiven. Those things are gone and over with. And so I believe in what he did for me in the past. And I do believe that what he will do in the future is true. I will rise again. Like, because of the resurrection, there is a promise. And the promise is, is, that because I believe in him, because I believe that he died in my place, and he restored me to right relationship with God, that I get to live forever because he raises me with him. I believe that that's going to happen. But what about the gap in the middle? You've got 2,000 years ago, and you've got, whenever you leave this planet... What about right now? Do you believe in him? That's the question that Jesus asks. It's not rooted in the past and it's not something that we hope for for the future, but our hope is in the person of Jesus right now. He's looking Martha in the face and he's saying, do you believe right now? She says, I do. I believe. I believe that you are the son of God. When Jesus says, wait, do you believe that he is the Son of God? When Jesus says believe, do you believe that he is the Son of God? And then finally, when Jesus says, you will see my glory, do you believe that you'll see his glory? Because if he is the Son of God, you will see his glory. And this is what Jesus put on display. Death sin, and Satan. He made a spectacle of those things. And how did he do so? He defeated it. It's pretty amazing, pretty marvelous when you you look at this. This was about one week before Jesus Christ ultimately went to the cross. There's always a bigger miracle that Jesus points to, The miracle wasn't Lazarus rising from the dead. The miracle was the miracle that Jesus was going to point to is that he would rise from the dead. And so Jesus goes to Martha and he says, hey hey Martha, hey Martha, open up the tomb. There is a tomb Lazarus was in all likelihood a rich man. Rich men, were, rich men and women were buried in tombs. They were chiseled out of the rocks, and they were covered by a stone. And so Lazarus was in the tomb. And he says, remove the tomb. And Martha's words to Jesus, after she just said she believes in him, this is why we always have to believe, because we can easily forget like five minutes later. She says, Jesus, Lazarus stinks. The, the 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 king james version says stinketh seriously like he stinketh so don't go near there and when jesus does this it absolutely absolutely amazes amazes martha to see his glory I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around. He wanted, he wanted for them to see something, and that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus had in mind to do something miraculous and marvelous, but not so that the miracle would be beholden to, but that the miracle maker would be, be the one that we would behold. Not that the creation would be worshipped, but the Creator would be worshipped. And so what happened next was nothing short of amazing. After four days, he's decomposing. There's no chance for life. There was an old Jewish myth that said that in three days... Your spirit could continue to hover around your body. So that way, in the event that your body was resuscitated, the spirit was close by so that it could enter into your body. Why did Jesus wait? Well, many believe Jesus waited for the fourth day because there was no hope. There was no human argument that could say, oh, yeah, the spirit was around. I mean, we know that. Like that, that's we, we know that. At this point, his body was decomposing. His cells were breaking down. There is nothing in him that could come back to life. He was wrapped with linen cloth. And Jesus says to this man, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. It's really amazing how Jesus calls to Lazarus. Because Jesus' calls to Lazarus was not just the life of Lazarus, but all those who would hear and believe to bring life to their dead souls. Because that was the miracle that Jesus wanted to take place. Is that people would see him as the Son of God and they would believe in him and his blood would begin pumping through their veins because he knew what he would do on their behalf for the forgiveness of their sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And Lazarus Immediately, his flesh that was decomposing came back together. The sinews started connecting, the tissue connecting together, the organs that were rotting away, blood became pumping through, and they became healthy. His cold, dead cadaver was now a warm and living human being, and he, Jesus said to him, take off that linen cloth and come out. And out came her brother. Out came this man that she loved. This man that Jesus loved. I think it's amazing how Jesus He did this another account where he raised a little girl who was sick from the dead. And she died. I think it's amazing when, when when you read the two accounts and you see the demeanor of Jesus and how Jesus was near this little girl. It was Jairus' daughter. He was a Roman general. And he goes to this little girl, and I could imagine him laying next to her in a still small voice, saying, Little girl, wake up. I got a little girl, and I'm imagining this right now, and it's absolutely beautiful. Both Lazarus, he says it with authority and power, calling life into his dead body. He says, Lazarus, come forth. That we right now would hear it. And that it would thunder and echo throughout all eternity. That the Son of God makes dead men live. That's the glory of God. Do you want to see the glory of God? Do you want to see the glory of God? You will see it. You could see it right now. It's not just in your past. And it's a beautiful thing what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross for our sins. And it's a beautiful thing that all of our sins was put upon him and punished in our place. And that he died on our behalf. It's a beautiful thing that we were deserving of hell and death and damnation. But Jesus gave us life and life to its fullest. It's a beautiful thing that he died on the cross for me. And so my sin was nailed to the cross with him. And it's a beautiful thing that one day we will see him face to face and that we will rise again with him and he will he will bring us up in our new resurrected bodies to be with him for all eternity, escaping sin, hell and damnation. But it's a beautiful thing right now to walk with him, to talk with him, to believe in him. Because Jesus isn't just an idea. He's a person. And he's a person that demands your belief. Do you believe? Now imagine with me the resurrection in that moment. This was the resurrection of Lazarus, but it was a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus. And at the resurrection of Jesus, you would think that people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead when Jesus was in the tomb think that this isn't over yet, right? Mary and Martha should have been the ones being like, no, 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 this is not the end of the story. My brother is the living proof that Jesus is not going to stay dead. But it was such a heartbreaking moment earth-shattering moment, life-altering moment that Jesus died on that cross because they thought, like Lazarus, that was the end of the story. But it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the story. Because if it was the end of the story, we wouldn't be here, case closed, Christianity's done for Our whole faith espouses that there is an empty tomb and the body of Jesus could not be found. You cannot say that there is no resurrection of the dead because Jesus himself claims there is a resurrection of the dead. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I am, Jesus says, the resurrection and the life. And so you can imagine in that moment that somebody somebody on Saturday is going to say, just wait, just wait. No. They thought sin was still alive. They thought death was still victorious. And they thought Satan was the one who was calling the shots. But in reality, Jesus was on the throne with God the Father, declaring his glory over all. And on the third day, and on the third day, the Spirit of God took the cold, dead cadaver of Jesus and blood started pumping through his veins and breath entered his lungs and everything that was dead became alive and all the sad things came untrue because Jesus just brought the promise of eternal life and he made it real. We don't have to live as if we've been defeated in Christ. But when we believe in him, we can live for him. We can have purpose. We can have meaning. And we can have significance beyond the grave. Here's the question that you are to answer. Because you can only answer it on this side of the grave. I live across from the graveyard. Nobody there can answer this question. You can answer it right now, alive, on this side of the grave. Do you believe? Because the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life and for everyday life? Do you believe that he is the one, he is the Christ, the Son of God, who died so that you might have life in life to its fullest. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you awaken our hearts right now and that there is nothing more glorious than you. And that, Lord, you show us your glory And God, when you show us your glory, it comes with the promise that we will live forever. That life is to be lived for you. And the resurrection means that life has no end. But the resurrection means that, God, you have purchased us with your blood. And Father, it's with that that we thank you. And Father, I pray for those here today who... God were like some of those who witnessed the raising of Lazarus but did not believe God I pray that today you would grant them repentance that you would show them God that their sins have been forgiven because they've been put on Jesus and punished in his place and that God because of that death does not have victory over them and they will rise again and live forever with him Father, we come to you. We ask that, God, you would so so stir our souls this belief to where, God, we don't just believe in the past or believe in the future, but we believe right now. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And we say to that, amen.